from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the Senesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Senior Salute Radio. Senior Salute Radio is presented by the Estate and Asset Protection Law Firm of Victoria Collier. And hello and welcome to Senior Salute Radio presented by the Estate and Asset Protection Law Firm of Victoria Collier. I'm Mike Salmon alongside Victoria Collier and Senior Salute Radio brings timely information to leading age boomers and seniors addressing the issues of aging, caregiving, and maintaining quality of life. And today we're going to be discussing benefits for veterans. And in Victoria, a lot of folks probably know, but for those that don't, you yourself are a veteran. Yeah, Mike, and I am a veteran, both of active duty service with the United States Air Force, as well as I did a time in the Army Reserves as well. So I tried two different branches, and one was active duty, one was reserves. So very different experiences. For this November edition of Senior Salute Radio, we recently had Veterans Day. What does that mean to you every year? You know, it means something on a personal level as well as a professional level because not only am I a veteran, but in our estate and asset protection law firm, uh, we help a lot of veterans. In fact, you know, I started off strictly elder law, which meant Medicaid planning for people in nursing homes and how to protect their resources so that they can get higher quality of life in the nursing home. And I branched out then and started doing veterans benefits planning and taught lawyers across the nation on how to better help veterans get tax-free income to help them pay for home health care, assisted care, and nursing home care. And aside from the personal aspect of being a veteran, what, what does Veterans Day mean to me? I really feel like I serve my country more now helping all these veterans and their widows than I ever did as a military person. Um, I was in during a wartime period, the whole desert storm period when I was on active duty. And I had some wartime efforts, but I wasn't where the fighting was. Um, And so while I'm a a wartime veteran, I'm not a combat veteran. And, And not to negate my service or anybody else who's in the military, it does feel different than, for example, combat veterans who are in the heat of it. Yeah. And even though this current generation, the, the draft is no longer, I think we're still connected to, of course, our parents and our grandparents to the World War One, World War Two. My father fought in Korea. Of course, you have Vietnam. So my mom still gets veteran benefits, even though my dad's no longer around. So when we're talking about benefits for veterans and veteran benefits planning, what are we talking about? Well, there's different kinds of VA benefits. And what most veterans are familiar with when they get out of the service are, of course, the home loans, the education loans, there's life insurance. And so those are the things that we know about. The others are when you're injured in the military, um, you know that there's what's called service-connected disability compensation. And a lot of veterans actually apply for that, and they get denied. Then they get discouraged, and then they don't go further with their claims for various reasons. So you can appeal, and actually, when it's denied first, the first time, you can still appeal that? Absolutely. And there's multiple layers of appeal, and that's why people get discouraged is because it can take four years or more to actually get a service-connected claim approved. Uh, and that's when you have a legitimate you know, disability, of course. And so to give you an example, 
when I was in the military, I am five foot three and a half. And yes, I do hold on to the half. <laughs> um, and I back then weighed right at 100, 105 pounds. Um, and still today, I still weigh only about 110. <laughs> she says probably. Since, since no one can see me on the radio. Um, <laughs> but I do, in fact, still fit in my military uniform. But I was a carpenter and a mason. And so I lifted a lot of heavy uh, equipment, a lot of heavy things like blocks and and uh, cement bags that weigh 60 pounds each. And uh, because of putting that kind of stress on my body, uh, I developed uh, hemorrhoid and um, I had that checked out while I was in the service. And I, you know, I mean, that th- those aren't uncommon and there are certainly things that create them naturally uh like you know women having children you know uh that puts a stress on your body but i hadn't had any of the common things that would cause that and so the only link that it could be was all the the physical labor i was doing and so i had that checked out while i was in the service but there wasn't any like treatment that needed to be done so when i got out of the service years went by and um you know that kind of situation it flares up it hurts a lot for a while (laughs) like glass like you're passing glass um and then it goes away and then it comes back well there was a period of time when i'll be very graphic here but you know there were concerning uh you know like blood in the stool a lot and so i went and had it checked out and they're like yeah you still have this and uh and so it was connected to my military service and i applied for benefits and they they acknowledge that, yes, this happened in the military. Yes, it's connected to your service. But, you know, you haven't been getting treated for it. You know, you haven't done anything. So they basically deny my case. Now, I could have fought it. I could have gone on. And I was like, you know, I'm not getting surgery for anytime soon. And it's not really hurting me right now. But it was enough to say, do I want to spend all my time pushing this? And when you are elderly which is the majority of my clients, and when your children live out of state, and when you have chronic pain and disabling conditions where it's hard for you to get out and get about, or worse, if you have dementia and you can't, you know, have the cognitive functioning to do all that paperwork, uh, a lot of people's claims are never completed or they don't fight the appeal. But that's service-connected. That's when you're injured in the service. The lesser known benefit that the majority of veterans and the family members of veterans, especially the spouses, which, you know, let's not assume they're always wives. Now there's, you know, a lot of husband spouses. They don't know about this other type of benefit, uh, which is called the pension. And the pension is exclusively for wartime veterans, veterans who served in the military during a wartime period. And even though, like me, I was not in the desert during Desert Storm, I was in Germany, um, I'm still a wartime veteran because I served at least 90 days on active duty, with one of those days being during the wartime period. For people who serve after 1980, you have to have two years of service, not just 90 days. But for people who meet the wartime criteria, and then later they have the need for home health care, assisted living care, or nursing home care. Those are, you know, expenses that climb very high, very fast, and can really take away people's uh, resources. And so 
getting this payment from the VA to help offset those costs is, is very helpful, if not outright necessary to so many people. And in fact, because of these payments, people can stay at home longer or in assisted living longer versus having to, by default, go into a nursing home and, and apply for Medicaid. So it can keep them in least restrictive alternative environments, environments where they feel more comfortable. And so what this pension does, and, and the word pension makes people think that you had to actually retire from the military. And that's not true. You just had to have spent 90 days on active duty with one of those days during a wartime period. And this is separate from what you talked about earlier. You don't have to have been injured while you were serving. Exactly. No, you just served during the wartime period. Correct. No injuries while serving, but now you have disabilities based on life, you know, so or age related. And so what it does is it provides a tax-free income per month directly to the veteran or the widow of a veteran uh, to help offset those medical costs. If people don't have medical costs, then generally they're not going to qualify for this benefit because this benefit, unlike any of the others, this benefit does have income and asset requirement limitations, kind of like Medicaid, except their own different ones. Is there a statute of limitations? Do you have to apply for this within a certain time? Or if you served 30, 40 years ago, can you still apply? There's no statute of limitations. However, you will not get the benefit until you have applied. Meaning, let's say that you came to me and your parent was in assisted living for the past four years. And you're like, we're running out of money. What can we do? The traditional advice used to be from an elder care attorney, well, you're going to have to put them in a nursing home and qualify for Medicaid. And you, being the concerned son who wants the best for your parent, says, but I don't want to move. I don't want to move my parent. They love it here. They've been here for four years. Is there anything else? Well, fortunately, now most of the world, except for veterans, knows that there's this additional pension. We can say, well, um, we can get you, you know, an additional amount of money that's tax free to help pay for this benefit. Let me go back to the first thing you talked about. You talked about a pension earlier when you are compensated maybe for an injury. You mentioned hemorrhoids and so forth in your case. What, what is that called? That's called compensation. compensation. So it's like workers' compensation, but from the military. Okay. In, in your case, Victoria, you were showing some symptoms while you, were st- while you were still serving. But for a lot of veterans, they don't see symptoms, Agent Orange, things like that, until many years after they're no longer serving. Mm-hmm. Can they still apply for compensation? Right. So for the service-connected compensation, yes, they can apply for it because if they can show that their injury or illness or disease is due to or caused from their service, then they can apply for the compensation. Some examples of that, you mentioned Agent Orange, okay? So there's actually a list of very specific conditions that if someone served in Vietnam or certain very specific areas of Korea during the Vietnam War, and then they have a certain condition, they are presumed that it is service-related. So they don't even have to prove that this is caused because they're service because there's a list and if they fall on that list. For example, in the last few years, the VA has added ischemic heart disease. Diabetes type 2 is on the list. 
prostate cancer, and it's my understanding, I'm certainly not a, a man, but it's my understanding if you live long enough, you're just going to get that anyway. Um, <laughs> so, but if you get it and you served in Vietnam or certain limited areas of Korea during the Vietnam War, then you can apply and it's presumed it was because of your service. For people who came back from Vietnam who had children afterwards that have uh, like cerebral palsy, that's considered related to Agent Orange. They have added Parkinson's disease. So things that a lot of other people do have, but the fortunate thing is that if you were in Vietnam then and you have that condition, then you just apply for it. Unlike, and, and that's presumed, unlike, for example, my situation with the hemorrhoid, I had to not just prove that um, I have it, but I had to prove that it occurred because of my service, during my service. Um, so I had to show medical records that I actually went to them, you know, mm -hmm. during that time. Another presumption that is not related to Agent Orange is um, people who get out of the military who develop ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, within a certain period of time, that's also presumed to be because of your military service, because of all of the uh, booster shots they give us. What about post-traumatic stress and things like that? Right. So post-traumatic stress disorder, you have to prove it's not presumptive, um, but you do have to prove that you were involved in or witnessed something traumatic. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so, for example, just because I was in the military, that's not enough. Just because I was over in the desert, that's not enough. I had to have suffered some sort of trauma to myself, or I had to, for example, watch you as my buddy get your leg blown off or something like that. It's interesting how some of, the, some of this is presumptuous because in my case with my father, he, when he passed with cancer, my mom is telling everybody it's because of the Agent Orange. And we have no proof of that, but that's what she tells everybody. Right. So if he was in Vietnam and if it's a certain type of cancer it might be presumptuous. So if it's cancer of any kind of the respiratory system, that is presumptuous. I did have a client, though, that was over there a lot, and he got cancer in the back of his tongue. But because it, because it wasn't his throat, it wasn't presumptuous. Wow. <laughs> it's so close, but not close enough. Wow. <laughs> so, but yeah, so yes, that kind of benefit called compensation is just like workers compensation when somebody's at work and you get injured and then the insurance company or the company you work for pays you a certain amount every month or they settle well what the government does the veterans administration does is if they determine that you are disabled due to your service they will then schedule a rating based on your disability and the ratings are anywhere from zero percent to a hundred percent in increments of 10 and even a zero percent is helpful because if you have a service-connected disability at zero percent you're not going to get any financial compensation but you will get priority at the VA health care clinics Whereas somebody who does not have a service-connected disability, not only do they not get priority in the healthcare clinics, but they're going to take their income into consideration to determine whether or not you have a co-payment for your healthcare services. Compensation, there is no asset limitation. There is no income limitation. So you literally could come back and, you know, let's just say you write books all day long and you're a bestseller and you're making millions of dollars that is not ever going to jeopardize or 
minimize your compensation benefits that you got from the military. Whereas the pension, the one that we work with a lot uh, with our senior citizens who were not injured in the military, but later have disabilities, or maybe they were injured in the military, but there's such a small amount that crossing over to the pension benefits going to pay them more money, which then will benefit them more right now. Mm-hmm. That has income limitations. It has asset limitations. And therefore, for the pension benefit, we do what's called asset protection planning so that we can help preserve as much of their assets as possible under the laws and still have them qualify for the pension to help offset those medical costs. You're listening to Senior Salute Radio here on Business Radio X, and we're talking with elder care attorney Victoria Collier, who herself is a veteran, and we're talking about benefits for veterans. Let me ask you this. When the, when the veteran passes for the spouse, I understand that either the pension benefit or the compensation, one of them continues, but doesn't one of them end? So it depends. Um, <laughs> Everything, it, as an, you're an attorney. It always depends. <laughs> that's right. That's right. If they teach you nothing at all in law school other than this one statement, it's it, it depends. So with regard to compensation, service-connected compensation, when the veteran dies, first of all, with all claims in general, when the veteran dies, the claim dies with them, okay, which means that they generally just terminate the benefits. And that would be the case here. Now, if the veteran was considered 100% disabled at the time of death, or if the death was due to the disabilities caused by the service-related condition, then the spouse can make their own claim to get benefits based on their disabled veteran spouse's injuries, okay? And there's very specific rules as far as how long were they were disabled and rated at 100% and things like that. But in general terms, if they're 100% service-connected disabled and they die, the spouse should continue to get something on their own record. The pension, on the other hand, is not just tied to income and resources, but the claimant, whether that's the veteran or the widow of a veteran, the claimant themselves has to show that they have a disability. Now, the VA defines disability as 65 years old or over. So if you're over 65, then you at least meet the bar of disability. But under the pension, there's three different levels. You've got your base pension, and that's for people who have a disability, or you're over 65, and you have really a low amount of income and a low amount of assets. Kind of like the comparable would be SSI, Supplemental Security Income, where people don't have a whole lot of income, they don't have a a big work history, and so the government pays them a minimum amount to keep them from being what the government considers impoverished. So that's the base level pension. On top of that, though, you can get a supplement called housebound benefit. That's where now you've got somebody who's disabled and they're essentially confined to their home. They're not driving unless it's for the essentials like doctor's appointments and food. And, you know, they're pretty limited and rely on others to do the things they need from a travel standpoint. On top of that, instead of that, you can get what's called aid and attendance. That's the highest level of supplement you can attach to the pension wherein you prove that you actually need the regular assistance of another person to help you with your activities of daily living, like walking, bathing, dressing, toileting, transferring. Or if you're just not safe in your environment, 
by yourself because if you have cognitive decline, uh, such as memory loss, dementia, Alzheimer's. And so if you can show that, then the VA will pay you the pension with aid and attendance as long as not only the disability, but also the income and asset limitations are met. So let's say, for example, to answer your question, if the veteran is getting the pension with aid and attendance and the veteran dies, and let's say the spouse is independent, healthy, out there, you know, running the garden club and golfing all day, the widow is definitely not going to get anything immediately. But as time goes on and the widow has a stroke or just continues to age and now needs some assistance, then the widow can apply at that time. This has got a lot more complex, a little bit more confusing, <laughs> so it's not that simple. So all the more reason to talk to an expert like you, and, and not just any attorney or even just an elder care attorney, but an, an attorney that works a lot with veterans. Well, not just an attorney that works a lot with veterans, but in order to give veterans advice based on their particular situation, which is more involved than just general education. Like today, we're just doing general education. Anybody who knows the information can give general education. But if someone's going to sit down with a veteran and look at their particular situation, compare it to the VA laws, and then offer guidance on that, that person must be accredited by the VA. And so there's actually an application for all individuals to include lawyers we have to be accredited to that have to be submitted to the VA and be approved before you can help them. And not everybody is. Um, and so they'll say it, you know, that, that oh, yeah, we can help you. We're going to help you for free. Free doesn't mean accredited. Okay. And generally, they're trying to sell you a product like an annuity or something like that that's going to tie up your money and not help you in the long run. So my Captain Obvious question is, the estate and asset protection law firm of Victoria Collier would be accredited. <laughs> I am accredited, um, <laughs> as are the other lawyers in our firm. And I am a certified elder law attorney. Um, and like I said in the very beginning of this discussion, is that since 2006, I have been teaching all the other lawyers in the United States on this very benefit. And I would say I wrote the book on it. I did. However, that book's out of print. <laughs> it's called The 47 Secret Veterans Benefits for Seniors. But the laws changed dramatically in 2018 on this pension. And so I do want to talk about that for a minute. But that's why the book is out of print is because the book was written in 2010 and it has sold over... 15,000 copies, you know, things like that without doing any real marketing. But the laws have changed. And so if you read that book today, it wouldn't do you much good. Okay, <laughs> so. So, so what has changed? So the big thing, Mike, that's changed is that on October 18, 2018, the VA put in what's called a penalty for people who make transfers or give away their assets or put them in a trust or buy an annuity and then try to apply for benefits. When you've done that, when you've made gifts, when you've made transfers into certain types of trusts, or when you've converted assets into an annuity, the VA is going to say that if you do that three years prior to filing for an application for benefits, then they're going to penalize you and there's going to be a period of time when you cannot qualify for VA benefit uh, because of those transfers. And that period of time can be up to 10 years. So 
the people who are generally applying for this aren't even going to be alive 10 years, mm. you know, for that. So, you know, planning is very important because it has to be strategic. So that's one of the big, big changes is that before that change in the law, you could actually do the planning and put your assets in a trust and then the very next month apply and get benefits. Now it's much more strategic than that. And people need to plan sooner when we always hear, I don't need anything. I know you don't need anything, but that's the time to do the planning because you never know when that stroke is around the corner or when you're going to fall and break your hip or just when you have declined for whatever reason, you know. Should, should every person who has served in our military, when they get to a certain age, should they be receiving a pension? Are there veterans out there that don't receive anything? Right. There are veterans that don't receive anything, um, and that doesn't mean that they should or shouldn't. You know, there's going to be veterans who never receive anything. Is the pension there available for them? If they just applied, they would automatically get it? Only if you meet the disability, the income, and the resource limitation, and the wartime service. You know, so it's it's a very uh, specific benefit, but... There are a lot more people who could qualify for it that never apply for it, okay, because it's relatively unknown. And when people do know about it, it's because they are looking to move into an assisted living and the assisted living does marketing well and they're like, hey, we can help you get VA benefits, which, first of all, they can't unless they're accredited, um, as we talked about. But second of all, of course, they're going to try to help because then that means you've got more money to move into their facility, that's generally when people learn about it. All right. Well, Victoria, we've talked about a couple of the big ones, of course, the pension benefit, the compensation benefit. Are there other benefits out there that veterans should be aware of that you want to touch upon? Yeah, just um, globally, the healthcare system through the VA. In my opinion, everyone should enroll in the healthcare system of the VA, even if you don't plan to use their doctors. And the reason why I believe that everyone should enroll in it is that, number one, you can get prescriptions through the VA. They have a pharmacy, and the most expensive prescription is $9 for a 30-day supply. And it just goes down from there. So if you've got a person who's on 10 different prescriptions, and, you know, I mean, most prescriptions are fairly expensive. Let's just say that they're, you know, I don't know, $100. You know, that's $900 a month, let's say. If it was $9, that's $90 a month, you know, so it can really be a savings to where then the veteran doesn't feel like they have to go every other month taking their prescriptions or that they have to reduce their, uh, you know, not turn on their heat in the wintertime or not eat. And and we see that a lot from a lot of different people. Um, so getting those kind of benefits from the healthcare system. You can get hearing aids. Hearing aids are expensive. They're like 4000 plus. And you can get hearing aids from the VA. And also you can get assisted services at home for much less and sometimes free that you would pay out of pocket for, such as home health care, transportation services, things like that. Are some of these benefits also available to the widows of the veteran? None of those benefits okay. are available to the widows. Um Healthcare benefits are restricted to the veteran or sometimes on a limited basis to the veteran's dependent child if the disabilities have to do with the veteran service. All right. Well, if people want to talk to you, find out more information or have a conversation because it can be very complex, how can they get in touch with you? Well, Mike, first I want to spell out that in our office, we only 
do the VA pension planning for wartime veterans. Our office does not do service-connected disability applications or, or appeals, and we do limited information on the health care benefits. So if people are wartime veterans who would like to plan to protect their assets and get access to tax-free income to help pay for long-term care under the wartime pension program, they can call us at 470 235 7848. That's 470 235 7848. And there's also a lot of information about the Veterans Pension Program on our website at elderlawgeorgia.com. That's www.elderlawgeorgia.com. All right, Victoria, a lot of uh, very interesting and good stuff on today's program. A reminder that you've been listening to Senior Salute, which is a bi-monthly show bringing timely information for leading-age boomers, and it's available 24-7 online. You visit businessradiox.com, select the Gwinnett Studio, and then click on Senior Salute. For Victoria Collier, I'm Mike Salmond. Thank you, Mike, and I would like to thank our listeners. We salute you. 